Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the con crud to my convention, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How are you doing? Uh, all right. Dude, we're finally recording 69. <laughs> it's been, it's been a month. It's been a month, hasn't it? It has. It's been too long, frankly, but, uh, it was crazy. Uh, I was away at Gen Con, then you had some personal stuff come up. I'm potty training. Next thing, it's a month. Body training, baby. Yeah, yeah. And then today, I, I, I probably had had we not been gone for a month, I probably would have canceled today because I'm I'm feeling a little feeling a little. How, how should I put this tastefully? Feeling a little gurgly in the tum tum. I'm gonna go with that. That's classy, right? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's never fun. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It, it's it's been a month. I'll just suffer through it. I'll just suffer through it for you, the gentle F and D listener. I love you all. Well, speaking of love, let's talk about the love we have for our patrons over at Patreon. That right there is a fine example of the high-quality transitions you get when you become a patron over at Patreon for the Forgot My Dice podcast. It's listeners like you that help us keep the lights on, the servers humming, and terrible jokes like this going. I, I was so afraid that you were throwing it over to me. It sounded like you were throwing it over to me. And, no, and then you, and then you started talking this. again, and then I was like, oh, oh. No, this That's was good. this was a one this was a one man fireball down to the earth. Don't worry, I got this. Nice, I got this. Nice. <laughs> All right, moving right along. What kind of a day is it? Hey, Jonathan, happy National Just Because Day. There you go. Just because what? That that's that that's it, Jonathan. Do you want to go buy yourself a USS Butterscotch? Just do it. Just because. Have you been looking at a book you want to buy or a movie? Get it. Just because. Honey, I just spent six hundred dollars on a VR setup for the house. <laughs> Just, just because, because, just because national. Just I'm sure that'll go over fabulously. But it's not all. Certainly con- won't get me stabbed. It's not all consumerism, you know. Maybe you want to pay for someone's coffee, or give somebody a hug, or you know, start writing that novel. Whatever, do whatever you want. Just because it was invented in the nineteen in the late 1950s by Joseph J. Goodwin of Las Gatos, California, and it began as a family holiday, but has grown into an annual celebration across these United States. So there you go. Happy National Just Because Day, Jonathan. I like it. I'm going to allow it. I'm going to embrace it. <laughs> and uh, I forgot to tell him to uh, send us a picture in, in the note I sent, so I apologize. That is my bad. But uh, Brandon, listener Brandon, who wrote us delicious copy for the uh, ID10T podcast, uh, really enjoyed his Sunday, and he wanted to send along his appreciation. He actually sent it along several weeks ago, but we're just now recording. <laughs> All right, well, let's kick this thing into high gear. we got a lot to talk about. It's been a month, plus I went to Gen Con. So those two things combine into super off the shelf. Flying faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than locomotive. It's off the shelf super size for your pleasure. And that's the kind of high production value you get when you become a patron over at Patreon. <laughs> you can't see it because this is an audio-only format. But I'm one handsome, dapper-looking fella, and my teeth just gleamed in the sunshine, letting you know the value that you're getting. Bing! Exactly. Well, without any further ado, let's hop into Off the Shelf. And in Off 
the shelf. This is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've gotten off of our shelves, onto our tables, and more importantly, into our beautiful, beautiful hearts. Hearts filled, of course, with our episode namesake, Wild Stallions. 69, dudes! Yes, we're dedicating episode 69 of the Forgot My Dice podcast to those wonderful buffoons, Bill and Ted, in honor not only of the third movie, but episode 69 of our podcast. (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to go watch Bill and Ted because it's an excellent movie. I recently just bought both of them. I've got them on my iPad. I watched them on the airplane on the way back from Gen Con. I love those movies so much. You know, it's funny. So we're setting up that uh, World of Warcraft classic guild right now over on the Facebooks with uh, with with I'm friends. I'm all about it. Yeah, it's coming up quick. Yeah, you know it's funny. So like like we were we were choosing guild names, and then uh, randomly Wes, who uh, who's kind of like my partner in crime and all this, he goes like, "What was your old guild name when you were playing back in the day?" I'm like, "Oh, Wild Stallions." He's like, "Should you put that down?" I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" And I put it down, and then so many people voted for it. <laughs> Because there's only two types of people in this world, Robert. There's those of us that are excited for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 3 and the rest of the population that doesn't deserve to draw breath. Yeah, it just it it you know it's funny, you know it's funny cuz we we started doing the the Bill and Tedisms on the podcast. Not not my idea, mind you, but no, it just kind of came out organically. We didn't even talk about it. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, just it, it, it was your idea, though. It was your idea. because. I, but I just realized I how long I've been doing that like you know, I found the old rules of my old shop and rule number two is be excellent to one another and three is party on. And then before that, Wild Stallions is a very, very old guild name. I, I did that way back in WoW, way back oh, yeah. with yeah. a bunch of coworkers. I like to start most conversations on online with greetings, my excellent friend. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> oh, Robert, don't be dead, dude. <laughs> So uh, I guess we'll start with the uh, video games because uh, in ten days, Jonathan. 10... Well, we just talked movies. We got to keep it going. Well, baby. but but we talked about the WoW Guild. So I just want to say, in ten days, Jonathan. Okay. Ten days. Actually, by the time you listen to this, two, two. I think it's Thursday. Next Thursday, honey. Honey, I just called you honey. Can I That's where we're at. Hey, hey, it's fine, baby. Don't worry about it. All right, I'm gonna let. It, I'm I'm just gonna see where this is gonna go. <laughs> I mean, the day just got better. It is episode sixty nine after all. I don't even know what we're talking about right now. I, I just want to talk wow, classic. Wow, well, classic. Oh, we're talking about the guild. So, uh, can I be the first to say if you are going to be playing World of Warcraft Classic and you want to play it with some uh, some some pretty dapper dudes, we have a guild. Yeah, we're going to be on the RP RP PVP server Gro- Grobulus. Grob. I don't know. Bless you. Yeah, I don't have a name picked out so, yet because I'm I'm not paying for, I'm not paying for the privilege of <laughs> squatting on a name. That's dumb. No, that's no, not doing that. Either. Yeah, so I will. I will probably be some variation of Gris the gnome, and I will be a gnome. I'm going to be a gnome fighter this time around. I never played a fighter in in any version of WoW, so I'm kind of excited. And my wife is going to play a dwarf paladin. We're going to do the the tank healing combo, which you know sees us through a lot of games. And uh, my daughter has talked a little bit about joining up with us, so we'll see if she likes it or not. We're not going to get her own account at first, though. We'll we'll wait. We'll wait. But I, I think I got her talked into a wizard. So, because uh, I was telling her stories of my ice majory days, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, Jonathan. I mean, I'm down. <sighs> I don't. I don't know what to say about that. I. I. I think. Just come join us and know that this will be a most excellent adventure. Well, classic is gonna be a shit show, honestly, because you know, like ten year old game. I'm banking on it. Yeah, fifteen year old MMO mechanics are are kind of bad. I think. As much as I'm trying to pull off my rose-colored glasses, I think I've got like contact lenses or some sort of like eye surgery embedded on my face because I'm I'm looking back fondly, but like I think about the bad, and I'm like there is some serious bad with that, but I I can't see it right now. 
Well, Robert, you could say that the game is in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. (laughs) I could do this all day. I love these movies. Okay. Okay. Moving right along. So, yeah, come join us. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, No matter what, even if the game sucks, uh, you're going to be hanging out with us, and that's generally pretty damn good. And the only thing I promise is I I will ride this as long as the nostalgia keeps me amused. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm betting about a month or two. That's going to be about how long it it takes. Uh, It's kind of what I've I've, uh, budgeted. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? If it rides longer, it rides longer. So, okay, do we want to talk about movies, or do we want to... Yeah, let's talk about movies. Uh, I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and their bogus journey back-to-back. They were awesome. I don't know what else to say. Like, I mean, they're stupid movies, but stupid in the best possible way. You know, I, I haven't seen Bogus Journey since I saw it on home video when it was released as a new release circa like 1990 or so. I don't remember when it actually came out. So I keep wanting to watch the first one and then watch the second. But I always get distracted because like I talk about wanting to watch it and then Eowyn's like, oh, I want to watch it. Then Eowyn gets bored 30 minutes in and we ha- have to move on to something else because the children It's rule. one of the few sequels that not only captures the original flavor of the, the first film, but builds on it in real positive ways. Like it's just fun. I'm not going to call it good. It's just fun. Yeah, I don't remember liking it too much at the time. I felt a little let down, but maybe... But dude, it's got the Grim Reaper in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Duke of Spook, the Doc of Shock, the man with no tan, death himself, the Grim Reaper. What, what, what's this quote from the song? You may, be a, so, you may be something or a mild street sweeper, but sooner or later you'll dance with the Reaper. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, One viewing. You could have my mega death collection. That, that, that was dredged up from like 20 years of hazy memories. Hazy. <laughs> well, I watched uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Oh, good. There you go. That that is always. Uh, uh, that's uh, I've heard. That's a good time. I uh, again, I was a little disappointed. I really, really liked the first one, and this one. Uh, I don't know what it was about it. I, it. It's not that it's bad. I'm not even going to pretend for a moment that it's going to hit the highs of the first one. So I'm walking in with a clean slate. That's just not fair to the movie. Yeah, well, and it's just, it's after Endgame, you know, and it, yeah, it was just, yeah. I, I think, I think its main problem was it was trying a little bit too hard to be kind of like the, the coda to the whole, you know, Infinity War Endgame saga. And it was also trying to be its own sequel and it just didn't have enough time to do both. I think that's kind of its problem with me. They just needed to focus on one or the other. And uh, it, it, they sort of like were jacks of all trades and masters of none. I think that's the problem. I really, I really want them. I really want them on the third one to just, and I want them to do with more with Aunt May. Damn it. More with Aunt May. <laughs> I mean, that means more with Marissa Tomei and I'm all right. With yeah. That. Yeah. Hot Aunt May is a fun trope. So yes, we, we need more. Uh, Aunt May. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, watching her stumble through, uh, through lines with happy has been, uh, some of the greatest Marvel moments ever. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So last night, the wife and I finished the new season of Veronica Mars. Oh, congratulations. I too finished a season of television. So oh, nice. What'd you finish? The boys. Oh, oh, that's next on our list. We, we're we're waiting for the girl to go back to school because that that is late night viewing. It, it took us three weeks to get through eight episodes of Veronica Mars just because you know it's summer vacation still out here in Oregon, so it's it's just yeah. the kids are up way too late. And and the third season of Veronica Mars, I'm sure it's not as bad as the boys based off of what I've heard about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like as bad in what respect? Because it's a quality, not show. bad as in like graphic content that the children probably don't need to see. Oh, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like, I like to fancy myself a fairly progressive guy that uh, does not mind having his limits pushed, but there were moments where I was right at the edge of, is this even tasteful anymore? Yeah, yeah, no, the comic but book's it worse. it never quite jumped over that line. 
even though it was it was it was leaning over and going, Woohoo, look at me. <laughs> and it never quite took the step. Yeah, yeah. I uh so yeah, we won't talk about it. I wanna I wanna watch it, but I uh yeah. I I'll just I'll, let me sum up the in- entire season like this. Wow, what did I just watch? Did that really just happen? And why was it so good? And why am I thinking so much for the next three weeks about this? I cannot wait to discuss this with you. I, I It's been very hard not to bring it up. We're, we're putting her back on the school schedule about a week before school starts. So she'll effectively be back in school next week. <laughs> so we're going to start watching it then. So I should have yeah. something. I should have at least hopefully some of it watched by then. Hopefully. Cross the fingers. I'm feeling pretty good about it for your sake. Uh, Veronica Mars. Uh, it, it's it's more Veronica Mars. If you like Veronica Mars, you like it. Um, they they swear a lot more although it's funny and it's also much more graphic because there's a couple of sexy scenes with veronica in it and it's amazing how naked she is and how much nothing is showing like they just they just hit every angle perfectly it's a it's it was kind of amazing to watch i'm like that is there's something to be said about a cinematographer that knows how to shoot tape i know i know it was it was i i I, when it started happening i'm like wow are we and it was no no you you saw nothing but you saw a lot it was it was kind of bizarre and uh, and then they sort of make a joke out of it. Veronica and her dad have dared each other not to drop the f bomb, and you think it's coming for like the whole show, you know? Like they they keep they keep almost doing the f bomb, both of them, but then none of them do- does it. The the bet continues by the end of the show, which I thought was fun. I guess that's a spoiler. I apologize. I thought I thought it was fun that they kind of lampshaded the fact that they were much more graphic, but they weren't going to drop that f bomb. That just never happened. <laughs> Let's see. Oh 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 my God, Jonathan. So speaking yes. of the girl summer viewing we started uh we got hulu because of veronica mars so we started watching random shows on hulu and i had heard good things about gravity falls so we started watching it and oh my gosh jonathan oh my gosh for a kid's show uh like you should just watch that with your kids you've been texting me about it all yeah yeah it's it's surprisingly good you know, because it's it's one of those kids shows that knows adults are watching it. And so there's a few kind of he 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 jokes like aimed at adults, you know, kind of. So you, you made an interesting comment because you were saying how surprised you were it was from Disney. But mm-hmm. I want to remind you that Disney are the one that brought us Gargoyles, another surprisingly adult show <sighs> aimed at children. So the guy who uh, invented Gravity Falls, his name's like, I think it's Alex Hirsch or something like that. Uh, he mm-hmm. is channeling like supernatural and or the X files and then made it into a kid's show. Wow. Yeah. And it's, or, or maybe twin peaks. So the setup is, uh, there's, uh, twins. Uh, one's name is Dipper and that's not his real name. He just has a, a weird birthmark on his forehead that looks like the big Dipper. So people call him Dipper and his twin sister, uh, Mabel, they go up to visit their great uncle Stan, uh, in gravity falls, Oregon for the, you know, for the summer. And they call him Grunkle because, you know, great uncle. I, it's cute. And then Gravity Falls is like just one of these towns where weird things happen. And there, there's a definite like storyline as the whole show progresses because it starts with uh, Dipper finding a journal about all the weirdness in Gravity Falls. And at first he doesn't think it's real. But then like weird things start happening. Lots of weird things start happening. As they are uh, often inclined to do. Yeah. In the first episode, this is spoiler. Sorry, just skip ahead 30 seconds or whatever. But uh yeah, the, the first episode, you uh, this is this is why the show's weird. You think it's a zombie in the first episode, but no, it turns out to be five uh, gnomes piled on top of each other in a trench coat. True story. Awkward and yet oddly engaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird show. And it's it's got just it, it's surprisingly got dark humor, like fairly dark humor for a kid's show. But it works because it never gets too uh, too dark. You know, it just gets dark enough where it's just kind of kind of 
edgy for a kid's show, I guess. And uh, what I really like about it is uh, Dipper and Mabel, um, you know, they're brother-sister, but they don't ever do the brother-sister stuff, you know, like the, the cliched crap, you know, where it's like they hate each other or whatever. Uh, Dipper is like super into like conspiracy theories and weirdness. And Mabel is just super duper silly. She's like a very silly character. And at no point does Dipper ever get annoyed with her about being silly. He just like, that's his sister and he loves her. And and like their relationship's really good. And it's very refreshing because there's never a point where they, they fall on cliches about how, you know, brothers and sisters should act. It's just like, no, Mabel's silly. That's her thing. And it works for her. And boom, that's it. You know, like I, I really like the way that they're written because it, it, there's a lot of like easy, easy things to grab at with their relationship and they just choose not to do it. They just choose to focus on other things. I thought that was, that was well done. So bravo. It's a good show. I, I highly recommend. That sounds cool. Uh, well on the movie slash TV front, uh, I watched Shazam. So what'd you think? Um, it was better than I thought it was going to be based on the trailers. It has really good heart, but I can't quite put my finger on it. What is the DC universe missing? There's something. Yeah. Because when I watch a Marvel movie, that something is is given to me and the itch is scratched and I feel satisfied. And when I watch a DC movie, that something isn't there. And intrinsically, I notice it, even though I can't necessarily tell you what that something is. There's just this little bit of magic missing. It's like the world's just a little bit more dead. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, I could I could buy that. I wish that I could put my finger on it. And if anybody knows what that beautiful, wonderful thing is that I seem to be missing, I please tell me. Because I go back and I watch Superman and, and I watch the, the, the new Batman versus Superman movie and all those, and even Shazam to some extent. And there's some piece of it that's missing. I don't know what it is. Because I go back and I watch Spider-Man Homecoming, which I think is maybe the closest... Uh, would you say that's the closest parallel to it in the Marvel verse? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. In terms of movie beats and movie, yeah, and and even though there's a good villain, and even though there's an interesting story, and even though there, there's a lot of kids being kids in all the best ways, and it's charming, I'm not satisfied. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, I, I wish that I could be more intelligent in my thoughts. There, I just don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on what that that missing thing is. Yeah, no, I could hear, I could hear that. I what I would suggest is if you haven't watched it with your kids yet, watch it with your kids because they, my my daughter loved it. The whole notion of speaking a magic word and being an adult superhero, like it. it and I haven't watched it with the kids yet. I really want to. I really want to. We didn't have time this last weekend. Yeah, there's just something about that whole concept that it really tickles kids. So it's it's fun watching it. She got really into it. Like she said, Shazam is straight up her favorite superhero. You know, she wants she wants to be a Shazam. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if anybody can think of what that is that it's missing. Just tell me. Cause I, I it drives me up the wall. I watched the new Hellboy movie. Oh, the new one. I was about to ask the, the David Harbour Hellboy movie. Yeah. I, I heard, uh, I, w- w- give me your opinion. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I mean, look, Harbor's not the problem here. Harbor's fine. And in many respects, this is actually a little bit closer to the comics than anything Guillermo del Toro ever did. And as a fan of the comics, that that part of me is quite satisfied. Uh, one of the biggest problems is with the editing. The ed- the edit of this movie is is trash. It's garbage. It's messed up. Like it, it's not telling a cohesive, comprehensive story because everything's jumping around in this weird, garbled way. The movie has moments of absolute brilliance, and the design looks like it was borrowed from Del Toro. Like it's gorgeous. 
unfortunately, it doesn't come together. The script's a bit of a hot mess, and it's not fun. It forgets to be fun. Hmm. And that's not what Hellboy is. But there's there's moments. There's moments where it's quite brilliant. And, and again, there's actually moments where this is better than the uh, original Del Toro stuff if you're a fan of the comic. Like, there's a moment where Hellboy is screaming out, I love you, Lobster Johnson. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's Hellboy. That's the Hellboy I love. I'd like to watch it again because I'm trying to figure it out a bit more. But I know that it's not a good movie. And not in a charming way. In a it's broken way. And I, I see you've watched Hell, uh, Blade Runner in 2049 again. Yeah, I did. I watched Blade Runner 2049 because of Dune. Because I'm still on Dune Watch. <laughs> 2020's coming, buddy. Also, I'll have you know that by the end of August, supposedly, if everything goes right, I will be holding a copy of the Dune board game. Yeah, yeah, I read about that. I read about that. Very excited about that. Saw it at Gen Con. It was gorgeous. Well, speaking of watching things again, I watched uh, the whole of Steven Universe again because my, my boys love it. So we've been, we were slowly going through that. And, uh, and then we spun the dial and we started watching it all over again because kids love watching everything to death where you start contemplating hating it. <laughs> yeah that is a legitimate thing <laughs> i don't know why i did that in musical form but it felt like it needed to be it's yeah no no it works it works watching the whole series again and then spinning the dial immediately and starting with the first episode again it's really i don't know that show that show is just really good and uh and i just wanted to pass along to everybody here uh the show's thesis statement because they say it in the very first episode and they say it in the very last episode so obviously it's important and that saying is this, Stephen's dad says, quote, if every pork chop were perfect, we wouldn't have hot dogs. True that. There you go. And I don't think that's a disparaging remark on hot dogs. The show is very pro hot dog. It's just, yeah, if every pork chop was perfect, you know, we wouldn't have this other perfect thing. That's what the show's about. That's its thesis statement. <laughs> also, uh, I watched Stranger Th- Things 3 with the daughter again because we went, you know, we were going through it because we got ahead of her. And uh, we are due for our spoiler-filled discussion about Stranger Things 3 in 69. So, yeah. Yars. So we'll do that after we do everything else. So, yes, we will get to that later. All right. I'm very excited about that. Hey, Jonathan, you've been reading Dune? No way. I have been. No way. Yeah, I have found myself a little bit of extra time. Um, Even though I'm supposed to be finishing the uh, Vampire Count book that I promised Dale I would finish, uh, in Dune Watch 2020 took uh, uh, took precedence, and I knew it was going to take me a while to chew through the book. I mean, it's been a month, and I'm only in about a third of the way through book two. Oh, wow. Wow. Not of the series, if you know the the book. The book is uh, yeah. uh, divided into three acts. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, I uh, at the library, I picked up the Book of M by uh, Shepard Peng, and, or Peng Shepard. Sorry, got it reversed. I returned it because it is not my cup of tea. But it was good. Do you ever have that? Are you ever reading or viewing something? You're like, I'm not going to do this. This is not what I like. It's good, but we are just not continuing here. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I've i been there yeah. many, many times. Yeah, the, the book is basically the wizard apocalypse, I guess for lack of a better term. Uh, but yeah, the, the setup is... Uh, there's a couple. They're living at a hotel in the post-apocalypse uh, that they they drove to for a friend's wedding, and then everything went to hell. But what went to hell is uh, people started losing their shadows, and uh, and then they started doing kind of supernatural stuff, and then they forget everything, and then they make bad things happen around them, and it slowly happens to just about everybody across the entire globe. 
Ooh, that's no good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the book picks up uh, about a week after the wife lost her shadow. And uh, something that was just interesting because the way they set it up is the dude's looking at his knife that because he's going to go scavenging for food. And uh, he notices that his knife handle is green and it used to be black. And it's green now because green's his wife's favorite color. She forgot what color his knife handle was and filled it in with in her own head. And thus it became that because wizard apocalypse. <laughs> I am fascinated. This is kind of really interesting. Actually. Yeah, it's called the Book of M. It's good. It, it was just... Uh, it, books about couples in the post-apocalypse like really get to me and I have a hard time reading them because I, I it, it's hard to motivate myself because I can identify with it you know like me and Gina and I just it, it yeah it's hard for me to get through those and and watch yeah, those I understand like like a quiet place I have very little interest in watching it just because I'm like I'm gonna start identifying that with it. is a tough movie to watch not gonna kid you that one's a tough one for a variety of different reasons that you and I both share yeah yeah so I just I yeah just I, it's an excellent movie not saying it's not a mistake but it is a it is a toughie. And and that's that's exactly it. I just I just know I know where my limits are and and I'm like, you know, I don't really have any interest in seeing that cuz it's I'm gonna it's gonna stick with me a little bit too much and I don't want to deal with that. I've I life is too short. <laughs> Real quick by the way cuz I don't think I got a chance to mention it earlier. Can I just be the first to say uh that uh Dune is such a phenomenal book? I, it's been a long time since I read it, at least 15 years. <laughs> uh, what do you, what do you love? I, I love that you love Dune so much. It's so funny. <laughs> I'd forgotten what a pleasure it is to read this book. Like it is just so expertly written. Frank Herbert was a God amongst men that gave us this holy science fiction novel to, to revel at. And you know what the worst part is? Dale says that he doesn't care for it. I could see that. Yeah, I, I get Let's it, be I get fair. It. Like, Dune is incomprehensible sci-fi. Like, there's people who don't like Destiny for the same reason. There's a lot of sci-fi like that where it just doesn't make any sense when you look at it. And you, you either can kind of roll with it and be intrigued by it or it just sort of you, – you jump off the train. I, I can see it. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. They're all wrong. Hey, hey, but, hey, uh, hey. that's cool, too. You, you are not the fun police. Entertainment is entertaining. If it fails to entertain Dale, that's okay. I'm not saying okay. that I'm, I'm right when I say that either. Okay. I'm just saying. Because you're right. I'm not the fun police. That's right. Even if I am right. <laughs> hey, hey, I have no doubts you are right for you. That sounds like a pork chop hot dog discussion. <laughs> Don't even know where I'm going with that. Shall we move yes. on? Yes, please. Uh, let's move on to video games. Oh, I, you know what? Let's hit RPGs real quick. Yeah, I saw that you played an RPG. Should I, yours is cooler than mine. Although mine's pretty cool, come to think of it. Oh my gosh. We are at an impasse. You rank it up first. Buddy. I rank it first? Okay. Uh, we fired up the, it's actually my turn, um, on the FMT microscope. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been, I haven't done it in a day. You know, in my defense, my, my computer's broken. And uh, I'm on my backup now, but uh, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, Doing this stuff without a keyboard is kind of annoying. But uh, yeah, yeah, we fired up the FMD uh, microscope game. We are are making history as we speak. I need to take my final turn before we move on to something else. So I should be a good boy and do that. I've been kind of thinking about this all day, though. You can kind of follow our progress on our Facebook group. Go ahead and join and look at it. I have been taking little peeks. I like where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how it's a it's not to serve man situation. And and I got to dredge up a lot of my old UFO lore because, yeah, used to be really into that stuff. It's kind of nice dipping my hat back in that. It's kind of fun. Anyway, there you go. I'll talk about it more when we're done because it'll make more sense then. It, it's kind of – it's in its raw state. It's unprocessed. So what, what did you do, J- Jonathan? Tell me. I'm, I'm 
in, incredibly curious about this. So you, have you ever heard of True Dungeon? Have I ever heard of True Dungeon? No, Jonathan. Tell me about True Dungeon. What is True Dungeon? So True Dungeon, it's a, a live event that you do, uh, and it's often at cons. I think it's at both Origins and Gen Con, although I've only ever done it at Gen Con. Uh, I've actually done it two years in a row. They, they started doing it as like a traveling show, I heard, because they like revamped the company or something. I, I haven't paid too much attention, to be honest with you, because I don't go to cons. Well, it's Yeah, well, it's super cool is what it is. And uh, basically, they take a big old section of the convention center and they dedicate the entire show floor to um, to True Dungeon. And what it is, is you go through and you have an RPG experience. You're supposed to stay in character and stuff. And this one was um, Nordic-based, so it was kind of like Nordic myth and whatnot. Oh, you must have hated that. Oh, yeah, terrible. Yeah, you must have. Oh, I, 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 you probably vomited several times while you were. A little bit. Yeah. Fun fact, you know what I scored at uh, Gen Con? Hmm. Two of the uh, Kickstarter exclusive figures from Blood Rage. Just throwing that out there. Well played, sir. Anyway, True Dungeon, focus. So yeah, True Dungeon. Um, you go through, you have stats. Uh, I played a barbarian. I named him uh, Zven. Mm-hmm. And uh, my barbarian uh, went through, it's basically a series of rooms, and some of the rooms are puzzle rooms, and the puzzle rooms are exactly that. You have to solve a puzzle. This one had a cool one. There was a table that was um, had like a fake snow on it, and you had to pile up the snow, and there was a projector above that would create a different rainbow color uh, based on how high the snow was packed up. Mm. And you basically had to move the snow around to make a rainbow, uh, which if you know uh, your your lore on um, Nordic uh, mythology, uh, rainbows play a very important part. And that was how part of how you solved the puzzle. And I'm trying not to, to, to give too many spoilers away because they're still doing this particular run. And uh, another one had us singing a song and, and singing it and doing it just right uh, based on um, uh, the needs of the room. And when you do this stuff, you're you're basically going through an RPG, and there's there's actors there in full costume that are helping guide you through the story, including interacting with you when when you solve stuff. And then there's also combat rooms, and combat's kind of like shuffleboard, where there's an outline of the bad guy, and that is akin to the dice roll based on where your your puck slides. That is what you get in terms of combat. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it sounds cheesy on the on the descriptor, but when you go through it, it's super fun and super immersive, and and just it's a it's a cool thing to do at a con. Yeah, I've uh, I'm jelly. I've never done it. Well, and they've got this entire economy, right? So when you sign up, you get a bunch of poker chips, and these poker chips are your equipment. You keep them after you're done, and you get to use them from time to time. And you can actually level up equipment. There's there's items that you can transmogify. Uh, someone in my group got uh, this item that's worth like a thousand dollars in real life money. What? And it's it, one of a set of five that they need to collect to um that, to then do a like a six month transmorgification to create a new item. I don't know. It's like this whole. It's like a friggin' RPG in real life. It's cool. Hmm. You could say it's it's LARPing where only half the people are are, are in costume. Well, it's Gen Con. You could go in full costume, too. I could. I could. I could. Maybe next year. I don't know. That sounds fun. I think I might retire Sven, though. I, I, I did something fun. I went to the... Uh, I did fun things, too! Yeah, I did. I went to the North Plains Elephant Garlic Festival over the last month. How was it? Uh, not as good as True Dungeon. <laughs> gotcha. But, but 
I am a fan of the garlic, sir. So it was a, uh, it was fun. It was fun. We got this really overly expensive uh, garlic spread, and uh, it basically has the consistency, and you basically can use it like mayonnaise, but it's just garlic, and it's real good. And I had garlic fries and a garlic roll and garlic, uh, garlic brisket sandwich, and garlic ice cream because, of course, it's good stuff. But True Dungeon sounds better. True Dungeon was a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, shall we uh, do a quick trip through board game land? Well, we haven't done video games. Oh, well, let's do video games. So, Dragon Quest Builders 2 completely borked out on me in the last month. And I essentially lost my save, which sucked. I'm sorry, buddy. I I was so... You know, it was really irritating. Well, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like, I, I there was this phase I was having... Like right when we started potty training the boys were just a lot of, I wouldn't call them minor annoyances because they were more than minor, but they weren't, none of them were really like, you know, five star annoyances. They were all like twos, but a bunch of them piled up right at the same time. Like just one after the other, after the other. And it just, I was so tired, Jonathan. <laughs> I was, I was Peter Parker and I'm just like, oh, I'm just so tired. <laughs> oh God, that line in that <laughs> movie. Yeah. I kind of mourned for a while because, you know, I mean, I, I built this giant pyramid and it took me so long to build that pyramid, Jonathan. You have no idea the effort I went through to build a stupid pyramid. And uh, but I had a period of mourning. I didn't play it for like a week or two. And then like the other day, I just I kind of fired it up again. And I'm like, fudge it. You know what? If I got to do this again, screw it. I'll just do it again. It's kind of been a blessing in disguise because I was thinking as I was playing it the first time through, I was rushing because I was really into the story. I was having fun. I was trying to figure out what the mysteries were. Part of the game is building and I, I didn't dick around and build much. You know, I just sort of slapped it together and moved along. So this time I am just really taking my time. I am just sort of just goofing off and just making randomness and, and making things pretty the way I like and trying new stuff. And that's been fun, but yeah, it still kind of sucks. Like I have to do it all again. Cause right now I'm in the middle of that part of the game. I really don't like the, the, the second chapter, that is full of sexist tropes mm, and odd yeah. and oddly homoerotic tropes too. And those aren't as bad, but they, they go over the line occasionally too and into, into bad places. And it's just like, uh, this part's so bad, <sighs> but yeah, I'll just deal with it and, and move along. I'm about out. I'm not, I'm not even a third of the way done. And I, I've spent about three to four times as much time in any given section just kind of fooling around and building stuff because it's like, I don't care anymore. I'm just doing this for the lulls, so I'm just going to have fun. All right, so let's go down your laundry list of games. We've talked about most of these. Oh, there's a new uh, one on the yeah, list. Yeah, World oh, Warships, oh. continuing to play it, continuing to have fun. Uh, Battleships Rock for the win. Playing a lot of Apex Legends uh, on the kind of tail end of Season 2, doing all right, having a good time. Did you hear about the brouhaha? What brouhaha? Uh, so uh, the new one from the last patch where there's like a fifteen hundred dollar item or something. Yes, yes. Yeah, I heard about it. I am not partaking. Yeah, did you hear about what happened on Reddit? <laughs> oh wait, you're telling me that Reddit is the source of brouhaha? Yeah, well, apparently. So they apparently the developer. Why is it that every time I say brouhaha, I feel like I'm watching Finding Nemo? Brouhaha, shark fin, brouhaha, uh, or shark bait, shark bait, <laughs> brouhaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the developers were on Reddit kind of doing a Q&A and sort of apologizing because they apparently screwed up a little bit on the microtransactions and made a $1,500 item, <laughs> which, whoops, 
So they didn't mean to make it. They said it was. It was was a tad excessive, and they're like, "We need to pull that back." And they were they were apologizing for that that they 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 mismanaged that. You done goofed, eh, Aaron? (laughs) And Reddit and the internet, uh, being what they are, surprisingly, everybody listened and they took their apology at face value, and everybody seemed to really no no Jonathan. It was a shit show, obviously. Well, I mean, it's the internet. I, I stole that bit from a, a World of Warcraft uh, YouTube channel called uh, Taliesin and Eventel. That's not my humor. But you know what? It, it works in this case. It was a shit show, Jonathan. That's my second one. I think we just verged into PG-13. It basically, people started yelling at the developers, and the, one of the developers just lost it and told all it told <laughs> the audience. Oh, the cardinal sin. They became human. Yeah, and he told He basically said all the everybody on this Reddit is an entitled <laughs> s-bomb or something like yeah i just lost it <laughs> so so what you're saying is he, he went full j from j and silent bob strike back? He, not full but yeah just just started ripping into people <laughs> but yeah no but he was the bad guy because he made it personal when people said he was you know because they didn't make it personal when he said he was bad at his job or that he should die for that that's not personal it's personal when you call somebody a jerk <laughs> Or a little S-bomb or whatever he said. I, I don't remember the exact quote. But yeah, he made it personal. It was his, It was all him. It was all him. And there, there's going to be a boycott now. There's going to be a boycott. Oh, yeah. Okay. You tell me how that goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be quaking in their boots all the way to the bank with the big old bag of money that they just made. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I, I read an article a about boycott. it. boycott. Um, Man, I'm so sick of that nonsense. <laughs> get off your, get out of here. It's just nonsense. If you don't want to partake in the, the fifteen hundred dollar item, just don't. You don't have. Yeah, to. I don't get that. I, you know, I've never, I've never really felt the urge to. It's a free to play game. They, they, they got to make their money somehow. Yeah, yeah. You like these, these, these biweekly or no, these weekly updates that they're making, three to four gigabyte patches. Well, guess what? They have a staff of people that needs to work on each of those. They got to get paid, and on a free to play game, that means that you got to buy stuff. Yep. Yeah. So, ah, uh, the internet. Never fails to just bring me down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of nonsense, man. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, the whole brouhaha over free-to-play games, you don't have to play it. Nobody said you have to. You're not You're not entitled to a thing. Yeah. Anyway, so tell me, uh, you've been playing Rocket League, too? Yeah, man, I just keep going back to it. It's just such a, such a fun game. And they've got this whole summer thing going on, and like they've got playing with the boys from uh, the Top Gun soundtrack, <laughs> the title screen song. <laughs> And so you know, I like, I like to just take my shirt off and play some Rocket League without my shirt on. Do you put do you put a little baby oil on your chest to, to get that right shimmer? No, man, that's just man glisten. <laughs> that's not baby oil; that's just man glisten. Well, it's hard it's to get that in an air conditioned house unless you unless you turn off your air conditioner to get that man glisten in Texas because that that'll work real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't kidding, brother. Uh, no, my man glisten. Uh, I do not uh, with the man glisten. No, I don't do that. <laughs> So okay, this is an interesting one. I, I have played Outlaw Galaxy. What 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 how? No, you played Outlaw Galaxy. I'm playing Outlaw Galaxy, which I'm having a great time with. But more importantly, now, because uh from the time I made the show notes now, the release date has come out, I'm playing Outlaw Galaxy Rebel. Oh. Which is the sequel that gives you a third dimension. Uh-huh. It was one of my big issues with the original Outlaw Galaxy, and this isn't necessarily this is just the design choice. I don't begrudge them this choice. Of course not. Uh, is that there, there's only two planes? You move forward and you move sideways, and that's it. Uh, even though you're in space, the third plane is locked. Everybody exists on the same plane. 
which is interesting because basically Star Wars and or Star Wars and uh, Star Wars to a lesser extent, but definitely Star Trek. Everything seems to exist on the same plane in space. Truth, except for that one battle in Nemesis, but no one likes that movie. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say Nemesis was a great movie. It has its issues, but it's not without its fun. No, no. It, it, there are some genuinely good moments in those films. Also, Tom Hardy, in his youth, channeling the young Jean-Luc, loved it. Nah, there, there's a lot of problems with that movie. but No, that's not true. The best part of that movie is when it ends. Um, no, the best part of that movie is that space battle at the end of it, because that's actually a really good space battle. <laughs> no, the, the space battle is great. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, that movie is not without its 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 fantastic moments. The problem is that those moments are surrounded by some really bad Star Trek. Yeah, some Star Trek that is afraid to be Star Trek. Because if you had just changed that movie to the villain being Sela, like that would have fixed ninety percent of it. Yeah, agree. Because then you could add Sela, weird Sela data moments, really you know? Because that that would have been really good callbacks. And yeah, no. And and that's the painful thing. It was obviously Sela at some point. Like some early draft of that script, I am positive it was Sela. And then someone's like, no, we can't do that. It'll be too up TNG and so on. But we're going to have to like, you know, blah. And it's like, ah, studios. Just own it. Just own your Star Trek. I'm with you on that. It's freaking Star Trek 2. The best one of the series owned it. You know, they went back into the history and found a villain that would make a good movie villain and made a movie out of it. Where, you know, if you didn't know the context a little no, bit. they made the movie. Out. Yeah. They saved the entire franchise. Right. Without Wrath of Khan, we don't get Next Gen. We don't get anything. We don't get any more movies. Yeah. We don't get Space Humpbacks. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. No, nah, just it should have been Sela, And they should have played. We don't get 80s spot. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Outlaw Galaxy Rebel. You know what it reminds me of more than anything? You remember the old Colony Wars games? Yes. Yeah, it's Colony Wars, except in the in the in the West. Nice. It's it's trucker colony wars. <laughs> like it's eighties, it's eighties trucker western action. Like it's freaking you know what? The only thing I'm missing is a freaking chimpanzee, and I got BJ and the bear in space. <laughs> and I'm loving every second of it. It is so much fun. One of the greatest things they did is they super, super streamlined the interface. So getting in and out of stuff is really, really fast. So you can hit a station and less than 45 seconds later have four missions, be out of the station and fly into your next place. Like it is super streamlined. You don't have to use any of the streamlined either. If you want it to be a, a space sim, you can make it into a space sim. All right, let's uh, let's get through these board games because it's it's our Gen Con show where we always right, go really we're not gonna, we're, There's a lot to talk about here. I'm only hitting the highlights, too. I played a lot more than this. It's more than we could fit into an episode, let alone a section. So I'm just going to kind of hit some of the highlights, some of the things that I played uh, recently, either with the kids or at the show. Five Minute Dungeon, Jaipur, Potion Explosion. Talked about all those before. Played them again. Still good fun. Played a game called Black Angel. This game was the hotness at the show. I had a chance to play it on uh, Wednesday night uh, with some good friends. What a game. This is this is the kind of game where I spent the first three quarters of the game stumbling around like a blind man, and then I realized how everything came together in the last quarter of the game, and it just made me want to play again. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, so I'm going to need to pick this one up when it comes out. There are basically three games layered on top of each other as a single system. They all feed into each other. And it just takes a long time. This is one of those very highly technical Euro-style games with a lot of of, uh, systems layered on systems. And 
the first couple times you play, you're not going to necessarily fully understand what's happening. And then when it finally clicks, it's a beautiful creation. It's an absolutely beautiful creation. I cannot wait to play this more. Uh, in Black Angel, your AI's on a ship that's going through space, and you're trying to get to a you're trying to get to a planet. And the AIs are basically trying to keep the ship going, and they do it in a variety of different actions that take place. You only really have six actions that you need to uh, memorize, but there's so much more depth beyond those six actions based on how you you operate those and the cards that come out. A lot of cards. So um, really enjoyed Black Angel. Highly recommended. Apparently, it's it's was was the 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 darling of of Gen Con. That was the game that everybody was on everybody's lips. Hmm. Played some more Century, uh, had a chance to play a half of a game on the new one. I'm going to reserve any judgment there. I really liked what I saw. I'm very curious to, to sit down and finish it. Uh, the problem with Gen Con is you get a lot of half games, right? If you're on the show floor, you're walking around, you're trying stuff out, you're, you're not getting the full experience. I really liked what I saw, though. Very reminiscent of the first two games in the, the series. And I'm really looking for. I have a copy of it to, to round out the trilogy, so I've, I will be playing a lot more of that. Hmm. Played some more Transformers LCG. Uh, the Constructicons are awesome. I'll just leave it at that. Had a great time with it. Still a very, very simple, basic card game. A lot of depth without a lot of, um, without a lot of actions to rec- recognize. Played a game called Monster Slaughter. This one was so much fun that I actually ended up buying it. There's a cabin in the woods. And in that cabin are teenagers, and every player plays a family of classic movie monsters. Maybe you're the 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 creatures from the Black Lagoon. Maybe you are the Frankenstein family. You maybe you are the the vampire family. I of course play the werewolf family because there's only one good true monster, and that is the werewolf. Everybody else is wrong. I seem to be saying that a lot tonight. Fun place, Jonathan. Shh. New fun place. Also, also, you're wrong. Werewolves, it's a curse and they eat people. They're monsters and deserve to die. Just saying. You say potato, I say potato. Okay. And I say I would like a potato with your uh, warm dead body. Va- vampirism and, and werewolf lycanthropy, man. It's, uh, it's a curse. Not a good thing. Don't want to do it. You say curse, I say opportunity. It's just a frame of mind, right? It's all good. Traditionally anyway. speaking, you turn into a monster and try to eat your family. All in the service of Satan. You know, is that so bad? Is it? I mean, you seem to like your family, man. They have their moments. The children can be difficult sometimes. There's moments where, you know, maybe eating them is the right answer. I don't know. So ultimately, I was having a ton of fun with it. It's, it's a, not a difficult game to learn. A ton of strategy, actually. More than I expected uh, on the the surface and one of the cool things is the box is kind of oddly shaped it has odd proportions uh when you take the lid off and that's because the bottom of the box is actually the uh cabin that goes in the woods and then you build the board around it uh out of some uh um, some more traditional elements and i thought that was really clever and really neat and the gameplay is just super fun so yeah monster slaughter having a good time okay Played some more Star Wars Destiny. We did a draft uh, at the uh, show, which was super fun. Uh, got my ass kicked. My <laughs> my deck was terrible. I did not draft well. Didn't did not draft well at all. Uh, played some Keyforge. Uh, Keyforge is always fun. They revealed some new factions at the show. Really excited about that. Looking forward to learning them. 
Played the uh, new Keymaster Games game, uh, Parks, and what a stunner. Uh, some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen in a game ever, and it's all about the national parks. And it's actually a great little uh, uh, kind of Takedo slash engine builder, I guess hmm. you could say. Well, is it an engine builder? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It, it's most reminiscent of Takedo, uh, but it's got some really interesting, entertaining, unique things going on. And it's all about hiking through national parks, and it's just lovely in every way, shape, and form. I, I could not be more pleased with that. I had a great time with it. And then I uh, got to try, try out the two, two new Marvel games from uh, FFG while I was there. Tried the uh, miniatures game. Got a little bit of an intro into the way that's going to work. Um, ah, you're stealing my thunder. That was going to be my news. Ah, well, it, it's uh, definitely some, uh, some um, Star Wars Legion DNA in there, but it feels so different. Uh, it's apparently from a bunch of the guys that used to work for Privateer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Schick and Will... No. Will Pagani and Will Schick. Well, good times. I'll scratch that off my list. Sorry, buddy. Hate you. Yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the new Marvel Champions LCG game is super cool, too. Wow. Uh, that might get me to buy an LCG again. Played the uh, 2.0 version of Campy Creatures, uh, the second edition. Really cool additions there. They they added a lot to that game. It, it, real positive stuff, too. Real positive. I'm very excited about playing more of that. And then finally, uh, the last thing I've got on my list here, and certainly not the last thing I played, but, uh, you know, got to draw the line somewhere and we could be at this for hours and days. Uh, I played the new Horrified game, which I know we talked about on the show before. Have we? Yeah. Remember, it's the new Universal uh, Movies or Universal Creatures movie or Universal Movie Creatures game. Huh. I don't recall. Go on. I thought we talked about it. I could have sworn we did. Anyway, it's all about the Universal Movie Creatures. It's officially licensed. Uh, it's from the makers of the Bob Ross games. <laughs> oh, I see I have your attention. Yes. And it is a little slice of brilliance. There is very little to learn in terms of gameplay. It's very easy to teach, but there is a lot of depth going on there. And it's a co-op game. Uh, it's got kind of a, a, a pandemic vibe in terms of uh, taking actions and talking it out with each other to see possible routes. But there is a ton of variety uh, because there's uh, a lot of different decks that you're shuffling to create uh, different uh, gameplay experiences. And there's also a lot of monsters in the box that you don't have to play with them all. And you can actually adjust the difficulty by adding additional monsters in the box. I dig it. <clears throat> so let me tell you to the nice folks at uh, Prospero Hall. You're quickly becoming one of my favorite developers, and I own a lot of your games. Please continue what you're doing. You're doing it right. They made both Bob Ross games. They made uh, this Horrified game. They made the Jaws game that I picked up. They made the, the Ravensburger Jurassic Park game that I enjoyed so much. Yeah, Prospero Hall. All right, well, that gets us to the end of the segment, but before we end it... It's time for our big old spoilerific Stranger Things moment. Okay, so we're going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3, and there will be spoilers ahead. If you do not want to hear the spoilers, uh, skip ahead until you hear music, because that means we have gone to a break of some sort. Avast you, mateys, there will be spoilers ahead. On the oceans of flavor. Har, 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 Was it oceans of flavor? I don't know where you're going with this. That, that was, that was uh, uh, Scoops Ahoy's thing. Uh, yeah, oceans yeah, of flavor, yeah, I think. Yeah. Oceans of Flavor, I think you are correct. Okay, I don't, I don't even know where to start with, with Stranger Things. I don't even know where to unpack. Uh, okay, uh, let's start with how awesome it was. Uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit. 
or or we could start with how it's such a beautiful continuation and how it makes seasons one and two mean even more because it is it is the definition of how you grow characters in a in a in a show like wow they're putting on a clinic each and every episode i kind of disagree i don't know like the premise of the season it never quite shook me off the train, but it came close a couple of times. How so? The big MacGuffin, or one of the big MacGuffins of this season, because there's kind of like two things going on simultaneously, and they do not overlap overly much. There's the remnant of the Mind Flayer that was trapped on Earth that's trying to do its thing again. And then there's the Russians opening up the portal uh, to the Upside Down, right? And that base, logistically, would have been a nightmare to build. <laughs> and I don't know how they did it with nobody noticing. Like I, I can't, I can't even fathom it. It's, it's so crazy. Well, remember, it's, it's, it's small town America, so there's not a lot going on. It's easy to hide stuff. And you remember that the the entrance to the base is the mall, but the actual base is quite a few miles. Away. Right, right. Well, that's where they get deliveries. I remember that. I'm just saying, like, an underground base like that would have required an astronomical amount of dist- of of construction like there's no way you can just do that there's no way you could do that and hide it. it it's just impossible i from what little i know of of construction methods of building tunnels like that there's just no way not in a year they had that place up and running in a year that's crazy talk <laughs> it would take a year to just to design the damn thing much less build it something tells me that they were not concerned about osha it's not that it's just you know you gotta you gotta find out like how deep certain strata are so you can build so you you know you can reinforce properly because it doesn't matter if it's not osha compliant if the damn thing collapses with all of your expensive equipment in it it's you're you're, you're just out resources at that point like i like i said it almost threw me a couple of times because i i would start thinking about like how absurd this base was now i will say this it kind of came around in the end and it saved itself because and and here's the really key thing so like, people are all like, is Hopper dead? Is Hopper not dead? I don't know. Nah. Okay, so at the very, very end, like, I've now seen this scene twice, and I can confirm this now twice, because I, I noticed it the first time around, and then I watched the whole thing again with Eowyn. First off, when when Ho- Hopper dies, he uh, they, they clearly show the spot where Hopper should have been, right? Like, like right, right yeah. after it happens. And there's not a pile of ash or anything there like they're goo yes there's nothing there he he's just not there like hopper hopper jumped in the portal he did something he he's he's not dead there's no way yeah they they, i don't think that there's really a debate because they you're right they make it a point to show it to you yeah secondly when the the military comes and storms that place relatively soon after that like like within like 20 30 minutes it's it it seems pretty pretty short amount of time that they, they actually get in there. And you know what? Even if it was an hour, because basically Joyce and uh, Beard Dude, I forget his name, they crawl through the ductwork and get back to that the, the place they got in there from. And uh, by the time they pop out of that is when the Americans are storming the base and going room by room, right? Yeah. They, there are no Russians there at that point at all. They're gone. And they don't even make mention like three months later that they, you know, that they were arresting Russians in the woods for months afterward, you know, because like the, the the amount of people that were in that base, like they there's no way they could vanish like that, you know, like not not out into the hillside. So 
based off of that, uh, my second time through was a lot better because it seemed pretty clear to me that somehow, cause, cause also like what the Russians were doing there was like the gnomiest of gnome plans I've ever seen. Right. It's like phase one, use a giant contraption to open up a hole into another dimension. Phase two, phase three profit, right? Like what's that middle part? What are they after? it's pretty clear to me that somehow they teleported or something like they, that's how they built that base. They like bamfed it into existence. They built it somewhere else and just put it there with, with yeah, that would make gobbledygook. Sense. And that's how the Russians left. They, they, they didn't arrive there. They just bamfed there. That's, that's my thought. Like that, that I, I, I think that's what they're showing at the end of that. And, and Hopper bamfed too somehow back to that base in Russia with the, with the Demogorgon in the basement. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's clear that they had a lot more going on with uh, that technology than than the Americans ever fig- figured out. The fact that they captured the Demogorgon, the fact that... Uh, and it was alive somehow, you know, even yeah. with the portal closed. Yeah, I get the sense that there's a lot more to that base that we have not yet been told about. So, yeah, that's my guess. My guess is that uh, they didn't build that place there. They didn't do any construction. Somehow they just moved their that base there. They, they bamfed it or something. I could buy that. Yeah. Or maybe they like replace that area underneath. Because uh, you know, honestly, like, well, it wasn't the only one, but one of the few connections to the the outside was um, the mall, and then that one farm. I don't know. Maybe that's why they were buying up that specific. How great is the mall, by the oh, way? Oh, Star Court. Like, oh. How that that to me was one of the stars of the show. That was one of the new characters. That mall was a character. Yeah, it's a shame it burned down. That mall, that mall took me down hard. <laughs> Or, or pardon me, that mall took me back hard. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It took me back way hard. Yeah, yeah, those shops. It was great. Yeah, it wasn't just the, uh, it just wasn't just the, the, the dressings or the, the logos. It was the tile, the, the layout, the feel. Like, I, I was back in my childhood, man. Yeah, agreed, agreed. The mall was quite fun. And, and, and Robin was amazing. She was even more amazing on a second viewing. Um. Yeah, she is such a perfect addition, and... It, her character is handled with such care and tenderness. And, and again, Steve, the, the single dad you never thought you knew, but, or pardon me, the single dad you never thought you needed, but you, you now have. <laughs> yeah. Gina, uh, my wife was saying like after, cause uh, you know, Robin comes out as gay after she came out like that, you know, she was kind of having a hard time buying that, you know, Steve, a dude from the 1980s would kind of accept that. And uh, I was like, you know, okay. so even even just putting that aside, those two had just gone through some pretty crazy stuff, (laughs) you you know, like they almost died. I don't care (laughs) if if, if I almost die with somebody, you know, it's like, whatever. (laughs) You you can't tell me anything bad. We just trip balls together on Russian like mind juice. (laughs) (laughs) Russian truth serum. (laughs) And boy, did they trip balls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the tripping balls part was actually freaking brilliant. Like it was so funny. Oh uh, yeah. No, no, it was, it was quite good. Like, like I said, my second viewing was much better than the first. Cause I, uh, you know, having seen the end where I was, pr- it, I would be shocked if they did not say that they had teleported into there. I would be shocked because like that, that explains a lot that, that that's what they're after. They're, they're using, cause they, they said, in some of the dialogue, they've implied that they've done this before. You know, this isn't their first rodeo at trying to do this. And so if they're, and, and it's like, well, why would they do it? And it's like, well, if you can harvest 
dimensional energy or some nonsense to like bamf places that would be pretty good and if you could har- harness enough of it to bamf a crazy military base under an enemy country like that that's a pretty good asset to have in your little cold war you know <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah i mean like obviously they've got enough technology to get a couple hundred people and all that equipment into the country without anybody else noticing yeah yeah so I don't know. I can't. I I don't know. I can't sing its praises highly enough. I I don't want to like go over the whole series because because every everything was great. You know, uh, I I really liked all of it. It was really nice that Eleven got a friend. It was really nice that she stopped talking about Mike and just started you know having a girlfriend and and doing stuff. That was that was a good part. That was a good good piece of her growth. You know, her and Max because yeah. her and Max's relationship in the first, in season two was kind of bad and stereotypical, and this one was much better because they were just buddies. And they were just being silly, silly tween girls together. It was fun to watch. Uh, and my, and I have been Mike and his friends down in that basement before, just just ripping farts and and blowing them around. And yeah, yeah, that took me back. Oh, oh yeah. preteen boys or tween boys. Oh God, we were disgusting. Let's face it, guys don't really change all the time. I, I'd I'd say it's fair to say that we're probably still there. Even. <laughs> I haven't burped and go like, whoa, it totally tasted like Doritos. I haven't said that out loud in a long time. <laughs> I've thought it. We, we, we've literally all been there. I mean, there's nobody that hasn't been there. Yeah, you know, and sometimes I, I do like eating a ton of garlic and torturing my family with my flatulence. So I, I get it. I'm, I'm still there, too, I guess. Me, me and garlic and flatulence, man, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Is that TMI? I'm sorry, a listeners. It's spoiler a filled. A lot of people <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah yeah that, that was the only part i really want to bring up that my my nonsensical theory that they <laughs> that your ass smells like no nothing. that they they were harvesting tele they were harvesting bamfing teleporting bamfing gentle listener is the nightcrawler sound effect when he teleports it's bamf in all the x-men comics that's why it's bamfing do you have anything you want to say about stranger things 3 some plot um, detail or i just i mean like where do i even go other than how brilliant it was and i just think the writing of the characters is phenomenal and they're putting on a clinic that I, I i can't make any better of a thank you i guess like i wish other people had characters like this. so uh my me and my girl have decided we're gonna get her an 11 dress for halloween and then i'm gonna get uh i found out that spirit halloween is selling the uh the hopper magnum pi t-shirt or or Oh my God. Are they really? Oh, I could pull that off. Yeah, I could too. So I'm going to like about for about month, month and a half before Halloween. So coming up pretty quick, like September here, uh, I'm going to just kind of like let it start growing out. And I got a new beard trimmer that actually could actually do it where I can trim my beard, but like keep the stubble, you know, and I'll just let my mustache grow out a little bit. And then right before Halloween, man, the, the, the bottom part, the Van Dyke part goes out and I just have the stash and I'll wear the hopper t-shirt and take her out trick or treating as 11. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I think that might be my day costume. I'll have to go buy that shirt and ju- that'll be my day costume. <laughs> yeah, just go to work in it and just not say anything. Because after that, it's just t-shirt yeah. and like jeans and shoes. I mean, I wear that year round. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and then we're talking about finding my wife like the Joyce shirt when she goes out <laughs> with us too. All right. Is that it? Are we good? <laughs> I think for now, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit it. I want to. I want to watch it again. <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, brings us to the end of our uh, off-the-shelf segment. We will be back after a short break where we will bring our wisdom of crowds out. And not a ton to talk about, but enough. Enough. What's our Gen Con coverage? Uh, hopefully. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. See you guys back in like, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever. Music and such. Spoilers are over. Huzzah. I'm stopping now. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. Welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom Crowd segment. This is, of course, our bi-weekly, or in this case, bi No, bi-monthly would be, it's it's a a monthly, a monthly. Just monthly. Monthly. (laughs) So, yes, time for our Wisdom Crowd segment. This is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the interesting tabletop and RPG news that is pouring out, and in this case, uh, like a, a waterfall, like Niagara Falls. Were there just not a lot of like RPG announcements at Gen Con? Because I didn't find a ton. No, man. The RPG front was quiet. Okay. Okay. Well, good. The big thing was... Uh, Pathfinder the, 2. The, well, Pathfinder 2 was an announcement. And then uh, the release of... Uh, the, uh, there was the release of Pathfinder 2. But I didn't hear any big announcements this year at Gen Con. They usually have some. No. Pa- yeah, yeah. So the big announcements this year for RPG were uh, second edition of Pathfinder, of course, and... Shadow, Shadowrun sixth, seventh, is it sixth. sixth, sixth. So those those are the big RPG news. Saw a lot of people playing Shadowrun, which is kind of cool. I haven't seen that. All yeah, time. that's cool. Shadowrun, Shadowrun is a fun game. It's been around forever too. Like you know, like everybody's like, oh, D and D's the original. It's been around forever. It's like a lot of sort of the second gen games have been around. Maybe not for like fifty years, but like or forty or whatever. D and D came out in like the early mid seventies, but yeah, you know, still 30 years at this point, it's not that much of a difference. There are plenty of people that have been born grown up and you would consider them a peer and an adult in the time that that game has existed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Agreed. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Cause usually Monty cook announces something at Gen Con, but they didn't this year. And I, I, I and usually, usually a fantasy flight, like, well, I guess everything's out. Cause they, they L five R is coming out. There wasn't like a big like this is coming to Gen Con next year because Pathfinder not, not Two. That out. I saw that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just certainly didn't see. It. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen it either. But then again, uh, uh, one of my go to news sources has been down for a while for upgrades. So who knows? Who knows? I think it's safe to say that folks that listen to this show are probably Final Fantasy fans. Quite possibly. Well, saddle up, my friends, because Chocobo Party Up is on the way. <laughs> is this a board game? Yes, it is. And you get little wooden chocobo pieces, and it's a double-sided board uh, with some hex, hex tiles on it. Uh, it was designed by Yoshihiro Oneda. I'm really hoping that I didn't screw that up. Uh, he actually did the last Square Enix board game, uh, Chocobo's Crystal Hunt. 
which was nice. published back in 2016. So, um, yeah, this looks really cool. I mean, it's using Final Fantasy art, and it's got that beautiful pencil sketch. Yeah, yeah, I know that art. Style that they use on a lot of the uh, backs of the stuff there. Yeah. And, yeah, you can uh, race yourself some Chocobos. Nice. That's cute. I like it. I think it looks cool, actually. I'm, I'm just looking a little closer at it. And, man, the, the, the more I see it, the, the cooler it looks. You can actually pre-order it straight through Square Enix's website. And, Ooh. Uh, yeah, let's take a look and see if they have any cool additional pictures. Oh, my God. The cover is adorable. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't it, though? Oh, he's so happy. With a little uh, claw. Of course he's, he's all chocobal. It wouldn't be Gen Con without the Ennies, sir. So the Ennies were announced. Far too many awards to uh, go over uh, here because that would take a while for me to read them all off. And I don't want to do that. But uh, I'll go over the highlights. Uh, Forbidden Lands won Best Cartography, Production Values, Rules, and Product of the Year. Cypher Play, the like organized store play for Numenera, won Best Organized Play, which is a new category, which is cool that that's a thing now. I like it. Uh, Kids on Bikes won Best Family Game. The Fall of Delta Green, uh, the gumshoe version that's set in the uh, early to late 60s of uh, Call of Cthulhu Delta Green, won Best Setting. And the Oldie but the goodie, Masks of Nyreth Hotep won Product of the Year and Best Adventure. Here's the trick. The Masks of Nyreth Hotep won Product of the Year as a radio play produced by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, which is very cool. They took an old adventure and made a script out of it and then dramatized it. And that's actually kind of a neat idea. And I'm glad it worked out and is interesting to listen to because that that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it's cool. So, yes, uh, there there were several more awards and several more people won. But like I said, highlight real people. Highlight real. Don't want to be here for 12 years. You know, one of the coolest parts about Gen Con is food. The sheer well, amount of people that are in one spot getting kind of oddly you, sick afterward. Food at the convention center. If uh, you would like your fair share of cardboard that has been uh, disguised as hot dogs and pizza, then, yes, please eat at the convention center. Now, Indianapolis, however, is in fact a foodie city. There is some phenomenal food uh, at Indianapolis. Shout out to Vino for hosting myself and some friends for dinner one night. That was, uh, wow, croissant bread pudding, my friend. Straight up, uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff. I think just talked about this because they they did a whole segment on good restaurants near Gen Con. uh, Let me tell you. If you don't mind parting with a little bit of coin, Vino is where it's at. Uh, you get what you pay for. You what you pay for in a big way. Phenomenal food. I don't know why I'm still talking about it, other than croissant bread pudding. Yeah, you're supposed to. You're supposed. Yeah, they did talk about this because croissant bread pudding, like bread pudding, doesn't have enough butter. Yeah, they just talked about that place. No, That's no, funny. It didn't apparently. And you know what? I can stand by that now. It doesn't <laughs> have enough butter. It needs croissants. Is what it needs. It was amazing. It was freaking amazing. I'll, I'll put that episode of Ken and Robin in the show notes. That segment was particularly good because they, they ate at a lot of places and it, it made me very hungry. I listened to it while I was walking back. I ate at a lot of places, too. And I got to tell you, I had some really good food, but that was the standout. That was the standout. Also, we imbibed quite a bit that night. So lucky, lucky you. No, no not lucky servers. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway, anyway, sir. That anyway, was the scotch talk. You, you you had you had some you we were talking about something oh you're t- you're telling me about gen con and i was i was being a dick and, and listing off things yes. that were obviously well, not you what know, you wanted to talk the about things about gen con is when you go to um when you go to a a retailer there mm-hmm. like 
let's say, Upper Deck, and you're asking them about their newest games, like, let's say, Legendary Encounter James Bond, because you want to buy it, which I did. Mm-hmm. And you look on the shelf, and sure enough, there it is, unannounced, because it was not announced until today, Legendary Encounter's Alien Covenant expansion, which I bought. Ooh. Yes, it is so awesome. I have it. I haven't played it yet, but I looked through all the cards. You get an entire another movie uh, as an adventure. You get a bunch of new characters to play through, and uh, there's like 200 cards in the game, or in the expansion, excuse me. So it adds so much to Legendary Encounters Alien. So what you're saying is uh, the board game is significantly better than the movie it's based on. I mean, yeah, Legendary Encounters Alien is one of my top five favorite games. But Legendary Encounters Alien Covenant, Alien Covenant, not a great film from what I've heard. I enjoyed it. I've still heard. Not, not, doesn't, doesn't, I don't know, whatever. I haven't watched it. I just watched it again recently. I won't hate. I haven't watched it. All right. I shouldn't hate. Positive podcast. No, no, look, man, look, is it the best in the Alien franchise? No. Uh, But is it as disjointed and confusing as its predecessor? No, absolutely not. It tells a much better story. It's got some truly terrifying moments. It, it's it's as beautiful as Prometheus was. Well, there you go. Okay. Now featuring more cohesion. <laughs> so, yeah, let me tell you, uh, really, really glad I picked this up. Cannot wait to play it. It's sitting on my shelf right now. But if you want to be cool like me and buy it, uh, you'll just have to wait just a smidge longer. But it's because it's coming to stores. All right. Well, this didn't happen at Gen Con because I don't believe Wizards was there. But uh, Kate Welch, uh, during Gen Con weekend, was somewhere talking about something. She said that there is going to be a adventure book coming out pretty soon. Uh, It sounds a bit like Tales from the Yawning Portal or Saltmarsh, but instead of being sort of reprints of uh, classic D&D adventures, they are hiring various gaming celebrities uh, to write adventures to put into this anthology book, uh, including Deborah Ann Wall from uh, The Daredevils, and uh, Marsha Ray, who's a, a, a big streamer. I'm not sure what she's done. I think she's on Critical Role or something. I don't watch it, so I don't know. But yes, a new anthology book written by people who aren't, you know, the normal core of game designers. So it should be interesting because I'm sure that will bear some interesting fruit. Speaking of stars playing D&D, have you seen the segment with Joe Mangi Leone and uh, Stephen Colbert? Yeah, we've talked about it. Have we? We, we have talked about it. On, yes, we have. So I didn't realize it. I was watching the original Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man with the kids the other day. Yeah, he was Flash Thompson. Yeah, I didn't even realize it. And he popped on screen and I was like, oh my God, that's Joe Mangiglione. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have his like signature goatee and all that. No, so. no, no facial hair at all because he looks friggin' 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is pre-magic yeah, he, yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how I gauge time now. There's before magic. That's break. how you gauge time? Post. So there's there's PMM and uh, AMM. Yes. So how many years AMM are we now? Like, uh, is it a- AMM fifteen or something? Uh, I believe we are uh, at uh, seven. Seven. We're seven PMM. AMM after yeah, magic. AMM. Yeah. AMM seven. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I was I, I was born in thirty three PMM. Got it. Okay. Yes. Thirty three yes. PMM. Two thousand twelve. <laughs> I've never even seen the movie. I just know he's in <laughs> Jonathan, now you have homework. Mm. And now you just set yourself up. No, you got to you gotta, you gotta rectify that and report no, back. No, no, no. Now you have no. to. I, hold on, hold on. Shh. Jonathan, I dare you to watch Magic Mike before the next episode so you can talk about it. Oh, damn. 
I'll watch it too. Is it on streaming? I have no idea. Come on, do it. Magic. Do it. Jonathan, I double dare you to watch Magic Mike before the next podcast. You're going to do that to me. Oh, damn it. It's on Netflix. Now I have to. I Do Do I have to go to the, no, uh, the double dog we're there, dare? We're there. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. 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 Don't let me forget because I will forget. Uh, I, I won't let you forget. Are you kidding me? Gina's going to hear this. She won't let you forget. Now Gina's heard that I said I'll watch it too. She'll watch what that. Was the last movie you made me watch that, God, I regretted and hated? I don't remember. Her. Oh, oh, no, no, no. You were, your wife mentioned you were watching uh, like Steel Magnolias or no, something. And so no, no, it was uh, it. Uh, the, 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 the Shirley MacLaine one. Not Steel Magnolias because that's a Shirley MacLaine one too. Um, uh, the other one, Terms of Endearment. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, there's two hours of my life where I wanted to commit Harikari. It wasn't that bad. It, it's not that it's a bad movie. It's just so not for me. News. Go to the All news. Right, where were we? So the uh, industry uh, had an announcement, a little more consolidation. Uh, Artana Games is being purchased by Genius Games. Hmm. Artana, of course, brought us uh, such hits as Tesla vs. Ed- Edison and Lovelace and Babbage which was at the show and looked beautiful. And uh, Genius Games, of course, uh, makers of Cytosis and Subatomic. So Genius Games gobbled up Artana. And actually, honestly, that's a perfect match because both of those catalogs are, are science-based, STEM-based. So it is, it, it, it is such a perfect, perfect match. So that's exciting. That's exciting. I, I look forward to seeing, um, seeing what comes out of that uh, marriage. Green Ronin announced at Gen Con that it has licensed Hugo and Nebula award-winning author N.K. Jemsen's The Broken Earth series, Ooh. which won, the, I believe, the Hugo Awards three years running for the first book in the series in 2016, the second in 17, and the third in 18. So probably pretty good if the whole trilogy won the award over a course of three years. But yes, they are making a role-playing game out of it, and they are going to use not like the modern or fantasy age engine, they are going to use the system they developed for the Game of Thrones RPG, which maybe is a hint at uh, what the game is going to be more about. Interesting. I like where this is going. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what caught me. It's like, oh, the Game of Thrones in- engine. Pretty, pretty weird. I like that. And, and a book trilogy that I've never heard of that won several awards. <laughs> You've heard of Everdell, right? Yes, but I can't tell you why. Because it's been on all the hotness lists. And a big reason for that is its artist, Andrew Bosley, who made some beautiful art for Everdell. What happens when you take that beautiful art, mm-hmm. add a little bit of Jamie Stegmeier design. Go on. Throw in some sculpts by Rom Brown. Okay. Simmer lightly on a stove, and out comes Tapestry, a civilization game. The new game from Stonemeyer Games. I think I'm going to have to pass because he didn't hit it with the spice weasel. Bam! <laughs> Who said he didn't? We don't know what's in there. Oh, okay. Jamie Stegmeyer, as long as you hit it with the with the spice weasel, we're all good. All right. So some some tidbits that I've learned from watching the uh, the, the tapestry video. Um, first of all, it's not real world history; it's its own little thing, and it's basically if you've played Civilization, you'll get what the gist of the game is. But that is certainly it. it it's it's got its own thing. There's going to be a bunch of asymmetrical factions in it, which is really cool. Um, it's got the Automa uh, Factory logo on the front, which means there's going to be a solo mode, uh, which is also very, very cool. 
And um, yeah, apparently, uh, according to the news story I'm reading, there's a spatial element uh, to it. So we shall have to see how this is all uh, all comes together. It says here, according to Stonemeyer's website, that uh, it will be available in early September, and it will be for sale if you happen to be attending Essenspiel, which I will not be happening to attend. <laughs> but you'll be there. God, I want to go to Essen so bad. I would love to go there and drink lots and lots of German beer and have a wonderful time. Well, they went and did it, Jonathan. They went and did it. They had a nuclear war and the Statue of Liberty ended up burnt up on the coast. And you apes took over the world. Maniacs. You blew it all up. Damn you. Damn you all to hell. Hey, Ted, want to play 20 questions? I don't remember that one. <laughs> okay, I got one. Is it a mineral? Yeah. Are you a tank? Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Our friends at Restoration Games have gone and done it, Jonathan. Fireball Island, the Isle of the Fire Spirit by Rob DeVroe and Justin D. Jacobson and Kit Yona. An adventure module compatible with Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, an adventure for three to five fifth-level characters that is played on Fireball Island, my friend. You can now play a D&D adventure using your Fireball Island board. And where do I buy this fine, fine, fine thing that I need in my life? Uh, I sent you the link a while ago, and you never responded to me, so I guess you never saw it. It's free on the internet, my friend. Yes! I'm going to have to go check that out. So, going over it, the backstory involves a wizard named Milton the Mad, which I'm sure is not a reference to Milton Bradley. The the PDF, uh, it's really cute. It looks scorched on the edges, because of course it does. It's Fireball Island. You actually play with the board. Uh, Every character in the party takes control of one of the little explorers. And so if you have five players in the party, you have to have the expansion that adds one. Because part of it is uh, they have uh, a thing where the the, uh, Volkir will randomly throw fireballs out on the board. And if you get hit, bad things happen. It's awesome. (laughs) I like it. I, I need this in my life, actually. And then the uh, all the caves on Fireball Island, they do indeed lead to a dungeon that's underneath the island that they have mapped out and keyed, which is kind of awesome. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm I kind of into this little adventure. It's this fun. Sounds like awesome. <laughs> this just sounds like pure awesome. Mm-hmm, you know, the mm-hmm, only other mm-hmm. thing that could potentially make this even more awesome? Go on. If you were to print it out and keep it in a Trapper Keeper. <laughs> oh, you like Trapper Keepers, my friend? Well, that's fantastic, because guess what? It's time to relive the best days of the 80s and 90s with Trapper Keeper the Game. <laughs> what? It's from Big G Interactive, makers of the Bob Ross game. What more do I need to say? <laughs> Trapper Keeper the Game. I saw it in Target yesterday. It is amazing. They're little mini Trapper Keepers. And that is what they, they ship the game in, is the little mini Trapper Keeper. And it has the little Velcro, and it sounds and feels like a Trapper Keeper when you open it up. And it's just amazing. You know what? You know what? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I have no idea how the game plays. I just know I need it. And that's the high-quality transitions you get with your Patreon subscription to... That's right! Forgot My Dice Podcast. Forgot My Dice Podcast, bringing you inappropriate references and uh, knowledge of my son's poops. Since 2016. <laughs> Can you believe it's been that long? Some days it feels like three times that duration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, our, our showversary of episode one's coming up because it oh, launched it really? on the... Yeah, it's my boy's birthday and that's coming up too, like next week. I'm going to go buy Trapper Keeper the game this week. All right, report back. I am intrigued. 
Uh, it's it looks awesome. You know, there's like a bunch of different trapper keepers too. It's not just one. <laughs> I, I I understand, Jonathan. I actually have to go to Target pretty soon, so I will take a look out for it. Well, you know, I'm a big Keyforge fan, right? No, just a little bit, tiny bit. Maybe. Wait, are you about to tell the audience the thing that you told me during the break, and that you like ruined my actual reaction to it? That I could have like had a natural reaction to it by telling me on the break. Is that what you're about to do? Yes, Jonathan. It's that high quality podcast hosting you get here at the Forgot My Dice podcast where we keep it, you know, off the cuff and and totally improv. That's right. Except when one of our hosts talks about something during the break for no real reason. Other than I'm excited about it because we're getting the Saurian Republic. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm a huge Keyforge fan and we've got new Keyforge coming out and that includes two brand new factions, one of which is anthropomorphic talking dinosaurs. So is it like uh, that Whoopi Goldberg movie where she was partnered with the T-Rex? Sweet is it like that? God, I'd forgotten that even existed. <laughs> why am I watching? Why Why are you making me watch Magic Mike where we could dredge that up out of obscurity and make that happen? What, Theodore Rex? No, no, let's not do that. Oh. I would much rather watch Dinosaurs Son or something. We're going to watch Theodore Rex because you're making me watch Magic Mike. <laughs> Okay, Magic Mike first, though. Magic Mike first. How dare you? I'm, I'm searching for Theodore Rex. There's no way that is streaming it anywhere. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. You even remember the name. It's one of the worst movies ever made. How can I not remember the name? I mean, it's no Pluto Nash. I kind of liked Pluto Nash. It was sort of beautiful in its awfulness. Oh, you really does not deserve breath today. Wow, I found the whole movie on YouTube for free. <gasps> Did you? Yeah. It's not loading, though. <laughs> Fun fact, <laughs> this movie is so unloved that nobody bothered to file a copyright suit for it. Or maybe nobody's protecting it because they don't <laughs> care. <laughs> No-nonsense police detective Katie Coltrane lives in a futuristic world where dinosaurs coexist and communicate with humans thanks to the wonders of science. However, Katie isn't too thrilled when she's teamed up with a goofy dinosaur partner named Theodore Rex. As they slowly learn to get along and appreciate each other, they investigate a series of murders that's connected to a much bigger and even more dangerous scientific development. December 14th, 1995 was a good damn day. No, it wasn't. Shut up, Richard Roundtree's in it. Once Upon a Time in the Future. Wow, that is a great title card. Oh my god, there's a crawl. Are you watching it? At midnight tomorrow, billionaire Elzar Kane will launch his new Eden missile to bring an, on another ice age. After mankind is extinct, Kane will reanimate the pair <laughs> pairs of all the animals he keeps frozen in his ark and create his version of paradise. One hour ago, two workers escaped from New Eden compound and are racing to tell the police about Kane's master plan. <laughs> oh, I'm watching it too. Oh, uh, we are way off the rails, sir. Shh, okay. No, no, no. We're not with J&M Entertainment. A shooting. Oh my God, we're watching. No, we're not doing a commentary. Okay, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yes. We are not doing a commentary right now. Anyway, for we're getting two only. brand new factions. Uh, they look amazing. The only one that I care about and love is the uh, Saurians. They look just so much fun. Uh, they're also featured exclusively on the box of worlds collide uh there's a bunch of different flavors of this key forge coming out you're gonna get the the standard archon decks for 10 bucks 
there's going to be a um, what they're calling a Worlds Collide Deluxe Archon deck, and that's going to be a single deck with all the accoutrements for a single player to get started. So instead of doing the two-player box sets, they're just doing a one-player. Everybody gets their own, which kind of makes sense. I think that's cool. Uh, those will be fourteen mm-hmm. ninety-five, and then finally we get the Keyforge Worlds Collide Premium Box. When you're ready to take the battles on the of, of the Crucible to the next level, the Premium Box offers everything you need to keep your valued Keyforge components safe and organized. Comes complete with two unique Archon decks, five Tuck boxes designed for sleeved decks, a chain dial a collection of tokens, and a box to house them in. Oh, and some nice. vibrant stickers to display your pride for any of the nine Keyforge houses. I think you'll know which one I'll be sporting. You know what the best thing I saw at the entire show was? The thing that gave me hope for mankind. And a reason to live for at least another two years. Hmm. The follow-up to Blood Rage. The follow-up to Rising Sun. The last of the trilogy... They're getting the band back together. Simon gives us Ankh, gods of Egypt. <laughs> nice. Dude, look at the cover. Google the cover right now. The whole design is from Eric Lang. Mike McVeigh is doing the miniatures. It's the last one of the trilogy. They had some of the miniatures there at the show. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I'm so, so very excited. Blood Rage was inspired by risk and rising sun was inspired by diplomacy. Have they said what this is inspired by? Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at the press release here. Um, build caravans, summon monsters and convert followers in your quest to reign supreme. Man, the art in this game looks friggin' amazing. Like Adrian Smith outdid himself. Two to five players. It'll come to Kickstarter by the end of 2019. No, he doesn't say it here. He doesn't say it here, but I think we'll, we'll find out soon enough. All right. All I know is that I've loved the two games that came prior to this in the trilogy. I think they're both brilliant. And this, I, I you know, like I took a lot of Egyptology classes in college. I, this is a personal love of mine. And so to see it represented in such a glorious way on a board game is really exciting. I, this is up there with Dune for me, buddy. Ankh Watch 2019. Nice. And there'll be at least two episodes where I talk about it during the Kickstarter. And I just love you in advance. That's all. Okay. On. That's the end of the news. So a year ago, we were still doing the show. And a year ago, we did something. We talked about something. And this is what we like to call a year in the life. It's our segment where we look at what we do- deep dove a year ago. And we get a chance to talk about it again. So, forgot my Dice 45, my friend. What did we do? Secondhand Hank, sir. And we were talking about Gen Con. <laughs> that was a great episode. I remember that one. And yeah, Gen Con. We've come full circle yet again. It's another year and another Gen Con. Party on. Party on. Well, that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of Proud segment, which means after a short break, we will return for our final segment. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what happened. My brain just broke. Uh, We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Diana Jones Award in um, in a little more depth. So we will be back in just a moment after a short break, which I very obviously need. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. 
our deep dive today, we're doing a little bit something uh, not standard. We're actually going to take a look at the Diana Jones Awards, which are some of, I, I think, some of the industry's most interesting and influential awards. It, it's not your standard, this is the best game, because they, they go all over the place. If you haven't heard one of our mini episodes where we've talked about the Diana Jones Award, the, the short version of the story is TSR UK had a big pile of Indiana Jones box sets that they had to destroy. So they lit them on fire because fire is cool. Fire! fire! So in the ashes, what was left, what was left over from this burning was uh, some of the figures and the phrase Diana of Indiana uh, and Jones. And so somebody in their infinite wisdom put all of those pieces in a piece of lucite plastic and held on to it. And then about 15 years ago now, someone decided to make an award out of it. So what happens is once a year they get together at like a pub or I forget where the venue is and they give out the award. And then if you win, you hold on to it for a year. And then next year at Gen Con, you have to pass it on to whoever wins next time. Because you've spent that year on fire. <laughs> so last year, uh, streaming one. And uh, I believe uh, the guy who runs James D'Amato, the guy who runs the One Shot Network, uh, he held on to it for six months. And then Matt Mercer held on to it for six months. Uh, critical role guy, obviously. And so this year is a new year and there's a new round of games. And here we go. So the first nominee uh, for this year was The Mind, which was a, a game that came out in, uh, I believe, late 2018. But if you recall, uh, I actually played a print and play of this way, way back in, in February or March of last year. And I did not realize what I had in my hands when we played it. Basically, you've got a deck of uh, 1 to 100. And you try and complete um, 12, 10, or 8 levels of play with two, three, or four players. Everybody gets a hand of cards equal to the number of the level, and you start placing cards down in the center of the table in ascending order. But here's the trick. You can't talk to one another. <laughs> so you have to figure out some kind of body language, reading, or or just you know telekinesis if you got it handy. And you, you have a set number of lives, and as you start putting cards down, if, you, if anybody has a card that is lower than the card placed down, then you've basically lost a life and you have to start over. And yeah, that, that is the, the essence of the mind. But here's the thing. It's super easy to teach, and it's super addictive to play because you always want to do a little bit better. <clears throat> the concept of it, for whatever reason, always reminds me of that first scene in Ghostbusters, you know, where they're, we're, we're testing <laughs> yes. negative reaction to ESP ability. <laughs> it's like, that's totally the pitch of that game, and I love it. I mean, like, the, the, that, that's, the weirdest thing about this game is just how it's taken the, the industry by storm, because there's really just not much going on there. That's, I've given you everything. Yeah, yeah. But you just got to, like, figure out a way to communicate that's not, you know... English or whatever. It's an interesting concept, which is why it's called the mind, I guess, because you're trying to like read the mind. Yeah, essentially, essentially. But it, it, it works. It's super fun. And if you play it with the right group, it can actually be really genuinely interesting. Next up nominated was D&D Art of Arcana, which is a gigantic book, which is about the history of D&D. And because this ended up on the list, I ended up checking it out from my library again and taking a look at it. And it reminded me a lot of, uh, remember when we read empires of imagination? Yeah. Uh, so like a lot of that history is in that book. Like, you know, they cover the house and, and just all of that early Gygax stuff. But what's really interesting is they tell that 
story, instead of it being a story about Gary Gygax, they tell it, it's a story about the artist they hired to draw all these things. And it's kind of funny because like the first images for Dungeons and Dragons were like somebody's wife who was like kind of good at art and and they got the job because they just needed it, you know? Um, but it's, it's just really cool. It's just this journey of D and D through the sort of eye of the artist that created it. They do a couple of fun sections where they, you know, talk about art over time. Like they'll show a character and how they've been sort of interpreted through various editions of Dungeons and Dragons. And it's a really, it's a really neat book. It is ginormous. It's like six or 700 pages. It's intense. And it's got a ton of very pretty art that made me very nostalgic in it. And it's one of those fun things about, you know, the Diana Jones Awards, because the first one was this weird ESP ability board game or, or card yeah. game. And then the second one was an art book because Diana Jones Awards, because uh, I forgot to mention this, so I'm mentioning it now because that is the type of segue you pay for in the FMD podcast. Uh, it's all about if something. you are, of course, a member of our patron. Word. Uh, the Diana Jones Awards are all about games that push the medium forward. And so they may not be like, the best games necessarily, but they're the things that push gaming in general forward, which is why streaming won last year. Cause that was pushing games forward in a new and inventive way. And I think the year before that, like Gen Con itself won and, <laughs> and the year before that it was Eric Lang, if I remember correctly. And then the year before that, I think it was Robin laws for the gumshoe system. So anyway, but yeah, it's a very, very pretty book. It's occasionally very cheap on, uh, Amazon. I've almost pulled the trigger on it a couple times because the premium edition has some very pretty prints in it. I'm like, ooh, art to put on my walls. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, the the, the art in these, in the D&D universe has just universally been pretty jaw-dropping the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always been good. It's funny how the art changes over time, you know, because like... Oh, it's it's always been good, but man, these last few books have just been outstanding. Yeah, true that. True that. Well, the next nominee is The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr, Holding On. And it, this is an interesting board game. Now, I have not had a chance to play it yet. I have a copy sitting here at the house. Basically, in the game, you play nurses at a hospital. And your patient, Billy Kerr, uh, has, I, I believe he's got some kind of heart thing going on. And his condition is terminal. Um, this is right in the rule book, so there's no no spoiler. Oh, he has a massive heart attack on a flight from Sydney to London, and, and he, there's no way for them to fix it long enough for him to live. He's, he's definitely going to die. So the, the care that you're providing him is end-of-life care. And the entire game, it, it's a series of narrative scenarios, and while there is a Euro at the heart of this game, uh, and, and that's what you're essentially playing with each scenario, you get a chunk of the story, and the story is all about, um, you know, basically Billy thinking about the different parts of his life, and um, you know, all the, the the moments, his children, his family, um, the the big moments of his life, and it, it's a fascinating model for a game because it, it's cooperative. It's Euro, so you've got a mechanic there, but at the end of the day, it's all about that story, and that story seems pretty heart-wrenching. It's a guy looking back on his life as he's about to die. This is not the normal place where we travel when we go into a board game. <laughs> no. No, not at all. The art on the, the cover is just striking. Uh, have you seen it? No, I've not, actually. Google the cover. It, it's this this older gentleman sitting in bed, and he's it's like he's staring off into the distance, 
And there's some memories that have kind of been lightly sketched in front of him. One holding a baby, uh, one watching, you, you know, one would assume his partner play with a small child, or maybe he's playing with his mother. It, it's, it's, this is like, I've kind of hesitated to play it just because I'm a little afraid of how how tough it's going to be from an emotional standpoint. Uh, it reminds me of this game I have on Steam, which I haven't played. It has a very similar premise. It's called To the Moon. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. It's it's done with like RPG Maker or something. So it's using like eight or 16-bit graphics. But the storyline is uh, when you're dying, you can like hook yourself up to some machine or whatever. And you can sort of like have your memories altered. So something that you've always wanted to do, you remember doing. And, you know, you can go out on like a high note, I guess, you know. So if you had like an unfulfilling life, you can give yourself sort of a very fulfilling final, you know, couple hours. And so the game is two technicians uh, making a person do that process. And their wish is just that they went to the moon, you know, like they became an astronaut and went to the moon like that. That's what they want. And it, the whole game is played in reverse chronological order from older to younger. And you're, it's kind of like um, that, that, uh, that movie with the, the Jim Carrey's uh, about memory, you know, where you're seeing kind of like the, the new memories replace the old memories and you're working back in chronological order to see or reverse chronological order to see what that one change like did <laughs> to this whole person's life. And it's this weird sort of esoteric kind of depressing <laughs> thing about, you know, loss and life and whatever. And it's just interesting that, you know, like a board game, try to sort of tackle a, sim- a similar topic, a board game of all things like it, it, that'd be easy to do an RPG. It'd be easy to do, you know, but, yeah. li- but like trying to, to make a board game out of it, I think is an interesting space to move, move that kind of concept into because, you know, board games, board games and RPGs are not the same thing. And so trying to make a game out of that, it, it I, I see why it got nominated because it's, it's an interesting premise. Now you need to play it because I'm fascinated. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm very, very curious about it as well. I cannot wait to uh, to play through it and really kind of take a look at, at, at how everything functions in it. I, From what I've read, and, and this is just what I've read, so I have no basis here, uh, the Euro itself is 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 good. It It's, you know, it's Euro, which is funny because that doesn't generally attach itself to a theme so much. Uh, and the, But the real star of the show is kind of the, the set pieces and the, the story that you tell. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I again, I just I'm I've, I've been hesitating just because I know it's going to be an interesting emotional journey. Uh, so the winner of the 2018 Diana Jones Award was a role playing game called Star Crossed, uh, two words, not one, <laughs> by Alex Roberts, and it is uh, a game. It's by Bully Pulpit, Pulpit Games. Which, if you're like, who's that game company again? They make the game Dread, and this has a very similar rules premise because you you play Jenga. Uh, every time in dread, every time you do something, you pull something off the tower. If the tower falls, it's a horror movie. So something bad happens to your character. Uh, this game's yeah. a little different. It's basically, it's a role-playing game for two players. And what you play are star-crossed lovers, people who are very attracted to each other, but for whatever reason, they can't do anything about it. And when the Jenga tower falls, that's when you can try to act on your emotions, but that's when you're torn away from each other. And the game ends. It takes about a a couple hours. I have heard some really weird and interesting like premises for this game. Uh, They have on their website at Bully Pulpit Games, they have quite a few that they've linked to. 
There's one where full Phil and Sendra play a cyberpunk city's emergency medical system and her fr- fl- frustrated programmer. So it's like an AI <laughs> and a person, which obviously you can't do anything about. Uh, Zach and Diana play a asteroid miner and her spaceships. You guessed it. Artificially intelligent operating system. Uh, Jeff and the designer herself, Alex, play a match made in heaven as two pro wrestlers with a powerful rivalry that leaves much unspoken. <laughs> and Steven and Christian play two gym bros with a special connection. Will their love make gains? So, yeah, it's just it's a game where you play it with another person. You just play Starcross lovers and, you know, and you tell a very intimate story and romance and RPGs are not something that have gone together typically. And there's been kind of a weird I don't want to say weird, but uh, there's been a lot of people kind of trying to move into that space to sort of explore it because it's just something that doesn't get mined often. And I've heard of quite a few games that are trying to do it. So, yeah, no, but this one won the Diana Jones Award. And uh, I, the most recent episode of Ken and Robin talk about stuff. I believe Ken is on the Diana Jones Award committee. Uh, he has not named himself, but just things he has said has made me led me to believe he might be. He said it was interesting because most years, uh, whoever wins is kind of an upset because everybody has factions, you know, (laughs) where everybody's like, oh, I wanted this other thing. And it's usually just there's a lot of people who argue and, you know, it's it's kind of there's a little bit of angst because, you know, everybody who is there is there for a reason. Uh, But they said this is one of the first years where uh, everybody was like, yeah, no, Starcross, that was that deserved it. You know, there wasn't a lot of fight fighting between everybody, which is weird especially with the the two board games actually like i i i i could see a lot of that but it it makes me kind of interested in picking up this game because if everybody who read it said it's like good enough that it totally should have won like there there has to be something there that i'm not seeing <laughs> and i'm like well now i need to know yeah i think that'd be really interesting yeah yeah so anyway starcrossed by alex roberts uh it's on drive through rpg i will put a link to that because if you buy it from us we get a little bit of that cash woo uh, and it's $12 for the PDF. I've seen it at my local bookstore. Then again, I live in Oregon and my local bookstore is pretty awesome and independent. So, but it's, it's around and yeah, it's by bully pulpit games. So it's kind of an indie game, but if they carry indie games, they'll probably have it. And there you go. Diana Jones, 2018. What do you think of the winner? Do you think it was the, the most appropriate choice based on, on your thoughts on these games? Uh, see, that's the thing I heard about it and I've actually heard a lot of buzz in the indie, indie scene about, uh, Starcross. To be honest with you, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about it, but I'm I'm really hooked into the RPG scene, so I don't know how it compares to the other two games. You know what I mean? Like I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not as into that that zone. So like I'm not surprised to beat Art of Arcana. To be honest with you, just because um, of the three things nominated, that was the only one that was like taking a look back, and it seemed like I, just the vibe I got this year was they were trying to look forward. Not that that book didn't deserve it because it was it was it's a fantastic book, but yeah, every every I don't know, like I really got the sense this year that they wanted because they've done that for the last couple of years, like you know Gen Con and and whatnot. There's been a little bit of a nostalgia thing, and so they've been well, maybe not with streaming. I don't know. I just got the sense that they wanted to pick a game this time instead of a concept because they've done concepts and designers for a few years running now, so. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm tired. My voice is going. I got nothing. Well, that's two of us discussing the Diana Jones Awards. You could almost call us star-crossed lovers, my friend. Oh, my. But but I'm married, and I... I ooh. Hence the star-cross. Is it hot in here? Ooh. Always. Ooh. A little flush. <laughs>
Do we have a bromance? Do we actually have a bromance? I don't even know what a bromance I think we've is. We've had a bromance for a number of years, my friend. Really? It's, 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 yeah. Are we like Turk and JD? All we are is just dust in the wind, dude. <laughs> I could do this all night. <laughs> like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. <laughs> the only true wisdom consists in knowing that you know nothing. That's us, dude. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a most unusual day. (laughs) Uh, Oh, God, I love that movie so much. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. (laughs) I really hope that third movie is good. I'll be really... God, so do I. If they really, if they butcher it, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be the angriest angry. Because you know what the problem is? When they make sequels of like 20, 30-year-old movies, most of the time they're terrible. Most of I the know. time. But every I so know. often, somebody hits that right thing and it makes so much money because it's so good and it just hits all the right notes. And, and I'm so worried because the odds are not in that movie's favor. They are not. It's like one out of ten. At best, so I know. I know. I mean, it's the same writers, you know. And if they actually like say something about getting old and try to like you know take the concept and you know actually push it forward, like it might. I I could see it working because I could see a movie about being old. There's something very poignant in these times about a movie about two guys who thought they were going to save the world. And maybe they don't because maybe that's not their destiny. It's not that they're going to save the world now. It's they're going to save the world in the future later. And now just kind of sucks. You know, there's something there's something in that that I think is needs to be said around now. Yeah, the idea is brilliant. The idea is really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I hope they pull it off. Me too. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast episode 69, dudes. <laughs> once again join us on all our digital domains we would love to hear from you and robert any final thoughts yeah i was thinking you know since this is such an auspicious episode we should uh pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about something about ourselves that you uh that you might not know uh if you're if you're my friend on facebook i mention this from time to time but maybe maybe you guys don't know uh, I've been on kind of an eating healthier kick lately, so I consume a lot of tofu. Bet you didn't know that. I eat a lot of tofu these days. A lot. And and you know what? You know what? Tofu is not good. I, I replace a lot of meat with tofu, but I consider it a challenge, and I try to make the tofu interesting, and I'm getting better at it. So really something that's possible though. Cause ultimately it's still just tofu. Yeah. I've gotten really into making interesting sauces for it. Jonathan, what's something about yourself that our, our, our guests, our guests to our, our little, our bromance, uh, don't know about you. I used to surf when I was young. I surfed a lot. Really? You were a surfer. Yeah. I grew up in a place called Point Loma, which is at the top of the peninsula in San Diego. If you look at a map of San Diego, you'll see a peninsula that's uh, blocks off the bay from the ocean. It's one of the main reasons why the Spanish uh, were so excited when they found San Diego Bay, because it's a, a naturally protected bay. The, the, the ocean cannot get in. There's no way. So um, it, the, the ships are relatively safe when they're in the harbor. 
And um, because I grew up on the ocean and it was California, surfing was a thing. So, yeah, I used to surf all the time. Used to hang out with otters, see sharks. It was fun. Point Loma? Point Loma. It is uh, just... I'm looking at it. It's right above Ocean Beach. I used to go down to Ocean Beach to surf. I did not know that. There you go. You were very close to SeaWorld San Diego. I was. I was. I actually applied uh, to work at SeaWorld. I think it was my junior year of high school, but I did not get the job. I went on to work at a movie theater, which ended up being the most fun I've ever had at a job ever. Ooh. I really enjoyed working in a movie theater. It was fun, especially for somebody who loves movies like myself. I was, at one time, I was the projectionist for my 12plex, and that was fun. That was great. There's Point Loma tide pools I'm looking at now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the tide pools. Uh, those are down by the... Uh, the lighthouse. By the Navy base, yeah. Well, there you go. And now there you know. There's a bunch of weird random facts about mine. So. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, there you go. Allow myself to introduce myself. Myself. My name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, <laughs> Oprah. Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when to show Carlos that movie. I feel like it's coming up on that time, but I don't know that we're there yet. <laughs> I know. I've thought that with Awen because I love that movie so much. That one is so good. The first one. The yes. First one. Yes. The rest we could do without. Yes. The first one was Agreed. great. Yeah. All right. All right. I think that's it. I think we got to wrap that up. Put a little bow on it. Well, I know we usually say be excellent to one another and party on, but no, in, in, in honor of episode 69, I think we need to, we need to go out a slightly different way. I am Bill S. Preston Esquire. I'm Ted Theodore Logan. And we, we are Wild, Wild Stallions. Stallions. <laughs> I don't have a guitar to not play well. And the fact that you didn't even need a moment. You just queued that up as soon as I, I, I kicked it off. Yeah. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. Yeah, bromance. Bromance. All right, Home Slice. I think that's it. That, that was the end right there. That, <laughs> that just happened. That just happened. I'm going to go make I some nachos. No, I'm going to go make that ramen. Mm. Be excellent to one another and party on, folks. Party on, Jonathan. That's right. Is this thing still on? Why are you here? The movie's over. <laughs> Music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 